Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 053. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, we've all experienced those people in our lives who just suck the life out of us. The soul vampires, if you will. Is there actually a way to get through a workday or a family get-together without letting them get the best of us? There just might be, and the Bible has a few good ideas. Check it out. Well, I'm sure you know somebody who fits this description, who has wonderful timing, incredible ability, and laser-sharp focus at sucking the life out of your soul. You know the kind of people I'm talking about. Maybe you even know an example or two. But if they happen to be sitting in this room or next to you, this is not the time for sideward glances or throwing elbows. Maybe we'll get to that in in a little bit. But the fact is, unless you're living under a rock, we can't help the fact that sometimes vampires just come into our lives. Those people who could raise your blood pressure, doubling it just by the mention of their name. And yet God calls us to love people even like this. So how do we do that? How do we hug a vampire? As the, the name of this mini-series goes, and that's kind of the, the angle we'll take on this mini-series that comes shortly after, you know, after we round the corner from the holiday of love from, from Valentine's Day. I don't want to ask. <laughs> the good news is God gives us a place to start. It's going to come out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, to a church that, for the most part, does things well. But the cool part is, they say that this letter was one that circulated around multiple churches, as many of Paul's letters did. And it just gives testament to how universal some of these ideas are. They could apply to many different churches, many different situations, and many different Christians. Hear God's word. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are all members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for you, or useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, again, how do we even start when it comes to loving people that just drain us, that seem to suck the life out of our soul, to to run with that idea or that image? Well, Paul has a, a number of good ideas, even just in this passage, Not only for dealing with vampires, but for dealing with Christians in general. Because let's let's put a a bit of a context around this 
conversation that we're going to have here. To say, whoever it is that, that pops in your head when I mention that introduction, let's say it's somebody who hurt you. You can define that however you want, whether it was physical, emotional, verbal, you know, you know your own story, so you can know what is going to, to hit best at that. But they've sunk their teeth in, they've taken the bite, and now the spotlight is on you. Because how you respond tells the world what it's like to be a Christian and what your faith is like. And it's amazing how much the world will watch. When things go wrong, when the vampires come out at night, when the world sees that a Christian can respond like Paul tells the Ephesians to, that is a testimony. That shares what our faith does, what our faith is, that it is real and living and active. So let's just kind of go right on through the passage. And I'll, th- there's a lot of depth to this, and so I'm, I'm not going to take quite as deep as I would really like because we'll be here until the chili cook-off. So let's start off with one of the first things that we can do. Right out of verse 25, Paul says, and this, we're dropping into the middle of a letter, and so that's why it sounds like this is, you're entering the middle of a conversation because we are. Paul says, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Basically, Paul says, if somebody has hurt us, we tell them. Now, I'm not saying that's easy, but I'm saying it is pretty simple. We tell the truth. I'm hurt by that. That wasn't right. As Paul later on goes on to say that we are to use words that build up, that edify one one another, because we are members one of another in in the church, as he said in that verse. Here's the thing we we, we rarely think about. Is it telling somebody that they hurt us or that we're hurt by something that they did? That actually does build them up. If we're doing it in a loving way, assuming, assuming that. You know, we can do it viciously and vindictively, and that doesn't go anywhere good. But it helps the relationship to be able to have honesty. You know, if, if, you are, if your spouse says something and it hurts you, imagine, imagine the two ideas. We can tell them about it and hence be able to do something about it and deal with it, or we cannot say something and it eats away at us. And for days or weeks, maybe even eternities, it is undercutting the relationship. It's definitely not a fun conversation. Just like a doctor who has to give a troubling diagnosis to a patient. I bet they hate those kind of days. Yet a doctor can't treat something like cancer without having that conversation to say, hey, here's what's going on. It's tough, it hurts, it's hard to do, but there's something that can be done after that. There, it, it, it serves a purpose, building up, do, leading to something good. That's where I'm trying to go. Now here's, here's the kicker to it. Paul, I'm going to take Paul's words to say, we tell the truth, we talk to the person, not talk about them. Because the fact is, the only person, if, if somebody hurt you, and again, I'm going to use that as just the context of this whole conversation. If somebody hurts you, the only one who can do anything about it is that person. Not the bartender, not the hairdresser, 
Not the great friend who will tell you how horribly evil this person is. Only the person who actually hurt you. And if we end up talking about them rather than just going straight to them, Jesus says it in similar words in Matthew 18, we end up making the wound bleed faster and spreading out the, the pain of it or the damage of it. And it does nobody any good. Paul continues. Next verse. One of the first ones I'll admit that I memorized when I became a Christian. You can read it for a second for me while I do this. I still have that frog in my throat, so. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger or while you are still angry. Let's get one thing out of the way. Anger is not a sin. God got angry when his people disobeyed. Jesus got angry when people took, amongst other things, when people took his house that was a house of prayer and turned it into a den of thieves, as he says early on in the Gospels. Stuff like sin should get us angry. I'm just tell, Imagine telling a parent whose child is being bullied that they should not be angry about what is going on. Then call the hospital and tell them to get your room ready because that's where you're going to end up after you tell the parent, no, you shouldn't be angry about that. Anger is an emotion. It's part of being alive. Anger by itself is neutral. Neither good nor bad. Just like joy, just like sadness, just like loss. I mean, these are emotions. These are the things that when we feel them, if nothing else, we know we're alive. It's where anger can lead that makes us realize that anger is one letter away from danger. Paul says, don't let your anger lead you into sinning. Lead you into going for retribution, going for revenge, going for slander and malice and all those other things that he will mention later on in the passage. Don't let the anger get control of you. As best as it's in your ability, deal with it as fast as you can so that it doesn't end up festering, so it doesn't end up growing, brewing, undercutting the relationship. Like we were talking about where, you know, he says, don't let your sin go down on your anger, or don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't let it fester. Don't let it grow because it will give the devil a foothold. And from a foothold, it's all the devil needs to advance and advance and advance and get further and further into your life. As that, imagine the, the whole angel and devil on your shoulder conversation uh, that, that we often have uh, uh, maybe as kids. And the devil's voice gets louder and louder the more we give him a foothold. The more we allow the sun to go down on anger, just as an example. As I said, there is a lot... A lot, lot, lot we could cover in this passage. So I don't want to skip over any of it, but I'm going to take us to verse 29, which I kind of referenced a little bit earlier on. One of those other early passages that I memorized, I I must have had a thing about Ephesians or a thing about words when I was in college. But Paul says, Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. The NIV puts it, that it may benefit those who listen. One writer says that in this verse, Paul puts an embargo on any words that don't do good. Puts a, puts a stop to it. Puts a, this cannot happen. Now, this doesn't mean that everything is lollipops and gumdrops. As you said, sometimes hard conversations, can hard words 
that are meant to build up can still do exactly that, can still have a positive effect on a relationship or on somebody's walk of faith. So I'm going to give you this, these three words to add to your grace vocabulary, as Paul says. I forgive you. Now those are, there is a lot of weight to those words. I get it. And my plan is, and Marie helped help me remember to do this, but uh, in the good news, the next one to come out, I'm going to elaborate on this a little bit. Um, so I'm not going to dive too deep into that idea of you know, what is forgiveness and what is not forgiveness. That I'm going to save for, for that avenue. But let's do a little bit of a comparison, just to, because sometimes comparing and contrasting a vampire with a forgiven person can help us to see what what God's calling us to, what that looks like. See, a vampire, somebody who like, lives to suck the life out of your soul, loves bitterness. Using the words that Paul uses in verse 31. He says, he's telling the people, put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. These are the things a vampire loves, even if they hate garlic. Unfortunately, garlic won't do the trick on most such people in our lives. But you can imagine, these are, if somebody were to, to come at you and this is their MO, I mean, how, much, how edifying would that be? How much fun would a person like that be to hang around? But rather, a forgiven person can forgive. And they live by the next verse, 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. It's one of the first verses Andrew memorized. You can ask him to rattle that one off, he'll do it. So let's compare the two together. See, vampires are like archaeologists. They're people who keep digging up the past. They get hurt, and maybe it's a legit hurt, but they keep replaying the video over and over and over again in their heads. It's just on loop. And it gets to the point where if they see the person who hurt them in the store or whatever, that person's whole identity is, they hurt me by doing X, Y, Z. That's all the vampire can see when they look at that person, is that hurt. That video that, that keeps replaying in their heads. The forgiven person, on the other hand, by contrast, they're the person that, if they're hurt, they have the fight. They tell the person who hurt them, they hash it out, they deal with it, and then they move on. They're not the person who, who, when they're hurt, they bring up the last 500 times that they got hurt just because it's, it's like a whole arsenal to prove their case. As Paul says, in, since we're in February, Paul says this in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, when he says, love does not dishonor others, It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Here's the part I want to emphasize. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't bring up the past hurts to have one more zinger to hit the person who did something to you, who hurt you. Vampires are also the ones who who play the judge card right on top of their victim card. They're the ones who will say, I've got all the facts figured out. And if I don't, well, I'll just make them up and fill in the gaps as I want to. I will be the one to render justice, to render a verdict, because that is my right as a victim. 
The forgiven person, by contrast, knows that they don't always know all the facts. Even if to say they don't know what is on that person's heart. What, what happened five minutes before they drove up and, and said a hurtful word or did a hurtful thing. They realize, there are people that realize that being self-righteous, being, I got hurt so I get to hurt somebody else in return or hurt them back, they realize that doesn't go anywhere good. That doesn't, that certainly doesn't love like Christ did. What's, there's a saying, if uh, two people with one eye fighting each other and they, and they have at it, you know, you have two blind people in the end. What good does it do? Again, certainly doesn't, doesn't build up the relationship, certainly doesn't edify the other person, certainly doesn't give a very good testimony to the rest of the world that says, says hey, something bad happened, how are you going to respond? Well, I'm going to hurt them back. Or I'm going to, you know, be judge, jury, and executioner on them. What does that tell people? Vampires also hear the last five minutes of things that I said and could think of 20 people that they're going to send the link to this podcast. And they're like, oh, this person needs to be here on this Sunday. They needed to hear this one. And maybe this is a time where the elbows come out and the sideward glances happen. And it kind of scares me that about 87% of you are looking at me while, you, while I say this thing about... But forgiven people know and realize and accept that they can be just as prone to bitterness as the next person. That they are just as capable of falling into malice and slander and bitterness and you know, anger that leads to sin. And so they stay on the watch out for it. They stay on the lookout for it. Rather than thinking about everybody else who needs to hear about this message of forgiveness. But here's one more reason in case you need it, why choosing forgiveness can do so much good for us. Is there some situation that you need to be freed from? Some situation where you can gain that by extending forgiveness? Maybe some situation where you need to go to somebody and ask for forgiveness. It's not easy, as I've said, but it is simple. And so here... Your next steps this week. Not easy, but simple. Don't let an opportunity pass you by. And one of the things, if, if there's still that hang-up of difficulty, of fear, of what will happen as a result, the good news is we have an example. And so, I'm, again, I'm going to throw up Andrew's verse, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Through Jesus, God loved us enough to forgive us. Here's our chance to pass that on. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodland Worship Podcast.